on your faces this evening. Uh, that's Mr. Njoku, Victor. <laughs> Happy to see you. It's been a long time. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Oh, thank you so much for coming. Uh, this is my brother, this is Juwan. We met in Calgary. Yes, you and your wife. Uh, I know your wife's name is Sister Chica. Am I correct? Yes. I'm <laughs> uh, so happy to see you. Thank you so much for, for coming this evening. God bless you. Um, that's Sister, Sister Tsunami. Good evening to you. How are you doing? Uh, I'm happy to see you. Please just say good evening to somebody. Uh, just say thank you for coming. <laughs> good evening to you know, my brother, Omoni, right? And uh, yes, uh, good evening to you, Brother Stephen and his wife, uh, Sister Joy. Um, praise Jesus. Um, can we thank God for Pastor Bukumi <laughs> and his wife? <laughs> thank you so much, sir. Thank you. So, Pastor Bukumi is like someone that God attached to me. When I, you know, I was here for a long time in Winnipeg for seven years, by God's grace. And uh, he was uh, someone the Lord attached to me. Uh, I thank you so much. And since that time, you know, we have been, we've been attacked since. And I don't think anything can ever separate us. <laughs> uh, thank you, sir. I love you so much. Uh, thank you for your heart, your love, everything about you. It's just awesome. I pray the Lord will continue to strengthen you and increase you. Um, in, and everything that you seek in God and in life, the Lord will bring to you, sir. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'm, I'm so happy um, what the Lord has been doing um, since yesterday. Um, we have, I believe we have been blessed. Uh, I believe we've been blessed. And um, thank God for this morning as well. Uh, the Lord uh, also spoke to us uh, this morning. And I think the theme is very clear now that we have been having conversations about the life of God. Praise Jesus. Um, I think yesterday um, we were able to see almost define life, right? It was more about definition of life. Uh, we, and we are zeroing in on the life of the soul. Praise God. Um, I think the volume in-house can be a bit lower so that it's not, my voice is not too loud. Amen. Not from there, the in-house volume, just the main volume. Uh, okay, uh, praise God. That's the main, eh? Okay, thank you. Uh, please, can we appreciate my um, brother, my younger brother? He's the, he's the chief. He's been the chief engineer so far. He's doing a great job. <laughs> praise God. Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, we're, we've been defining life in the context of the soul, and this morning, by God's grace, we're able to see. Uh, look a little bit into 
uh, God's design for bringing his life to the soul, which is how to find life. As Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. Praise God. Um, by God's grace, uh, we, I believe maybe those who were not able to be here, you'll find some time to listen to maybe that message if you can. Uh, I believe there are some things, uh, some key things in there uh, that will help us um, along the journey. Uh, but somehow we arrived at Romans chapter 8. Let's see um, the book of Romans chapter 8. Father, we thank you. Oh, we bless you. Marakai mazu presto praiveno. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for your fresh breath upon me. Breathe into me. Breathe upon me. Breathe upon my heart. Bring a fresh breath tonight. Help my heart to capture your exact breath for tonight that will bring the exact blessing which you want to bring to every heart. Thank you. We will expect your guidance and your leading in the, in the scriptures and in the word. Lead us aright in your truth tonight. Thank you, our Father. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, uh, let's just quickly read Romans chapter 8. Uh, Romans 8 from... Verse 1, it says that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Praise Jesus. Um, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Praise God. Um, I love the, there's something about Paul, I just love Paul. It's the way he's phrasing, there's something about his mind that's just, I believe it's the, it's the workings of the spirit of God in him that changed his mind entirely. I believe the way he presents his words, give, you, when you're reading Paul, you don't just read what he said, you have to read how he's saying it. There are a lot of things about how he's saying that there is an attitude about the way of speaking of Paul that is also instructive. Amen. Now he says from verse 1 that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the Spirit. What's the meaning of that to to walk after the spirit, and then to walk, sorry, who walk not after the flesh, but what?
but after the Spirit. So to, to walk after the Spirit and is a way of walking. We know for sure that this walk here, you have to explain what walking means. That walking is not your physical walking. That the walking, you saw man is a tripartite man, the spirit, the soul, and the body. That the man who really walks, that the Bible sees, is the soul. So the way your outward man is a walker, your soul is also a walker. As you are here sitting down right now, you can take a trip back home and just open your bedroom door and just check some things there. Hey, is that thing still there? Ah, I left it there. Okay, so you just remember. Where did I keep? You can take journeys. And the thing about the soul is that you don't need jet fuel to, to move. You can move right now to your village and come back and you're still sitting, there, sitting here while the message is going on. Now you mean that these four walls cannot stop the soul from moving? <laughs> what a thing that God created. Praise Jesus. Well, now, in the Bible, um, this walking, when you see walking, walking is also tied with work in the Bible. Anytime you see, especially in the New Testament sense, walking and working, they are the same. So, um, you will now find that in the, the, the kind of work that, that, that matters in the spirit they define it as work. And I will explain why to you. It's because everything, the interest of spirits, the, the, the vested interest that spirits have, when I say spirits, I mean not just the devil, the evil spirit, all, all of them, and God too. The Bible says that God himself is spirit, right? So the interest that spirits have in the souls of men is to make the soul to change position. Either you're changing position toward God, or you're changing position towards his enemy, which is the devil. And every soul on the earth, if they check your soul now, you might not be able to see it, but if they look at you in the spirit, they can find you somewhere between Satan and God. <laughs> and everybody is not in the same place, and nobody is absent from that map. You cannot... Excuse yourself. See, Satan and God, I'm not interested in your fight. I want to stay somewhere else. You cannot excuse yourself from that. When they plot the map of the soul, right? I know this is language of the soul now. It's not white and black. It's not binary. Like the spirit is different, right? It means that there is a journey involved. You can be a little closer to God, more closer to God today than you were yesterday. You will see that language in the Bible all through the New Testament. The New Testament and the Bible don't speak about men in terms of white and black. They, make, they speak about you almost in terms of like a spectrum. Draw near to God, and God will draw near. What's the meaning of that? And they were writing to believers. So a believer can be far away from God. Praise Jesus. So there is something called nearness. That's the whole concept of salvation. Saving the soul is to bring the soul near to God. And, and a definition of coming near to God is actually, to be honest with you, it is giving you life. Because what is the opposite of life? Death. What is the meaning of death? The word death by itself means what? Absence of life, okay. If you want to define death <laughs> without, 
It's like we are playing game of opposites here. Praise <laughs> God. If I ask you what's life, you say opposite, opposite of death. I say what's death, you say opposite of life. And we, just, we stay here. Let's break out of that loop, okay? So let's, if we're going to define death without, by itself, without using the word life, death means separation. That's the real meaning of death. So it means that whenever they say, ah, that thing is dead, that's not a complete information. You don't have to ask, okay, what is it dead to? <laughs> Do you understand? You must ask, okay, what is it dead to? Right? Because somebody can be physically dead. When you say someone is dead physically, it means they are now separated from the physical world. That's what physical death means. It means that do anything to them, slap them, flog them, take their car, take their money, they cannot wake up. They can't respond to any stimuli that is physical. That person is now dead physically. So you see that word death is a relative word. So it's now a question, what are you dead to? So when the Bible speaks about death, there are some verses in the Bible that speaks about the death of the body. Some other verses now speaks about the death of the soul. And some speak about the death of the spirit, right? It's very clear death of the body means separation from the physical world. But when it comes to those inward entities, I mean the inner man, which is the spirit, and the inward man, which is the soul, and they speak about death to those entities, you have to first realize that those entities are almost like everlasting or eternal entity that they'd actually don't stop to exist. Check the end of the Bible. They didn't say all those who, you know, <laughs> those who were wicked and chose the way of the devil. The Bible didn't say that God just deleted them from existence. He said he will put them into the lake of fire that will burn forever. They continue to burn. It means it's nothing like ceasing to exist. It's putting you in a kind of state. So it means that when it comes to death of a spirit and death of a soul, it's relative. If you want to now define, okay, what is death of a spirit or death of a soul, which is spiritual death, now you now say that death means separation from God. Praise Jesus. So that separation from God is what happened when Adam sinned and then passed upon all men and all of our spirit died. He was talking about the separation of the spirit of man from God, which was, is a quick, instantaneous thing that can easily happen. And also, a spirit being alive to God also happens and can happen instantaneously. The moment the person confesses Jesus as their Lord and believes that he was raised from the dead, something happens to the spirit man. It brings it, it is recreated, and that way to put it is it is raised back from the dead. You see that. And that thing is not a process. It just happens right away. The moment that believing lands on the heart, what you believe is faith for resurrection. Once faith for resurrection lands in your heart, immediately that faith causes a quickening. As Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, the same thing will happen to the spirit man. And, it's just, and the person can just be like sitting down in the church, just altar call, believing you don't know something momentous has happened. Something earth-shaking has happened. The raising of the spirit from the dead. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. But when it comes to the soul now, you now see that death in the soul. Now, let's get this. There's a sense we need to have. 
If not, we will never understand the Bible. The sense we need to have is the sense about the nature of the soul. Because this Bible is not written to your spirit man. The entire Bible is not written to anybody's spirit. Church is not meant for your spirit. No pastor can pastor your spirit. There is no kind of anointing or grace the pastor can have. Your spirit is Christ. It's not meant, it doesn't need to be pastored. <laughs> what church is meant for is for people whose spirit have become Christ, but whose souls are, are still like the devil. They now need to come to church to learn the life. Are you getting what I'm saying? To, to heal that, this separation that is in the soul. You see that? So the, 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 the secret of the Bible is to understand the nature of the soul how it lives and dies. How the soul lives and dies is a key understanding in the scriptures and in the Bible. Praise God. And that is the way you will get to put the letters together. And everything will make sense. And I say, ah, this thing is written to the, to the soul of man. Praise Jesus. So spiritual death, as I said, is separation from God, is... Um, I was going to say something. I said the soul is the important. Uh, okay. Um, the skill of the, to understand the Bible, which is very, uh, is this. That I said earlier in the morning that the real, you, you are a spirit. Man is a spirit. But that man has a soul that lives in the body. Now, the spirit is the man. You can almost say that there are three men almost but they are tripartite in nature. So the spirit man is like the real man. That's really who you are. Every other man, like, this, like the soul and the body, are properties of that spirit man. Right? You have a soul that lives in the body. The Bible refers to your body as your house. So it, it's, your soul is owned by your spirit. Your body is owned by your soul, but... By the same translation, your body is also owned by your spirit. You see that spirit man, that, the spirit man is called the inner man in the Bible. The soul is called the inward man. The body is the outward man. Now, so you see all those three men, that each of you are three in one, like that. Out of those three men, the real man is that spirit man. This is the secret of the Bible I want to tell you now. But the most important man is the soul. The soul is the... You know, this is the real one. The analogy I usually use is like a car, for example. An engine is not a car, but the most important thing is the engine. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? The soul is like the engine of the man because that's where his will is, that's where his mind is, that's where his heart is. The element, the reason why he's the most important man is because that is the man that is the engine and the steering. Where that man chooses to go, nothing can stop the other man from going there. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. If that's a, that inward man, which is the, your mind and the heart, decides today, I don't want God anymore, there's nothing the spirit can do. The soul can kill the spirit.
When you got born again, who decided to accept Jesus? It wasn't your spirit. Your spirit was dead. How can the dead spirit decide to, to get born again? It wasn't your spirit that decided. It's the important man, the soul, is the decider. That's where your will is sitting. It was your soul. When you were in crusade, <laughs> you were not in crusade. <laughs> because crusade, maybe that's the default site of getting born again. But many of us didn't get born again from there. You know, it was just the, some of us are strange. When you hear those born again stories, strange things, all kinds of strange stories. Yeah. Praise Jesus. But some, maybe they, let me assume the, the normal way, maybe altar call in church, right? And then you went to the altar call. The preacher that was preaching that day and the move of the spirit was not happening to your spirit because the spirit was, was dead. It was the property of the devil. He had nothing in it to respond to God. So when an evangelist is preaching to a person, he's preaching to their soul. He believes. That Romans chapter 10, that if you confess and you believe in your heart, say heart, heart. in your heart, it is the soul. Wow. Do you see that? Yes, sir. That soul, let me tell you something, the soul of man, eh? the soul of man is the greatest thing that God ever created. Wow. Yeah. That thing is the greatest creature. After a while, David began to wonder, what is man that thou art mindful of him? There's something about man. Even all the angels couldn't understand. Satan couldn't understand. When he, imagine Satan hanging around. We don't know how long he hung around Eden before he decided to come in and begin to tempt. Just watching Adam and all kind of beings. You know, angels are not like men. Angels, like they were speaking about Lucifer, he said, from the day that that was created, I set you so. You were this, you were that. Angels don't grow. Angel Michael can't become more spiritual now. And say, I just gained, I just got some new, I just got some new, you know, my some new statue. No, the way they are, the way they are, God set them the way they are. Means the angelic soul is different from the human soul. The soul of man, imagine Satan watching Adam. He had never seen anything like that before. Looking at Adam, what kind of creature is this? Then he now looked at their spirit, okay. Then he looked at their soul. There's something peculiar about the soul. Tell me what did Satan say about the soul of man, like I was saying, was it yesterday? He saw that this soul is like an his soul is like an elastic rubber that that can stretch to eternity. That's the soul. Imagine such a creature. Satan was wow, what kind of thing is this? I said it's like the a, a, a vessel that God designed to fit himself inside. Is what the soul is like a kind of a house that is elastic that God decides to expand and live inside for eternity. And Satan saw that capacity of this soul that this is a terrible thing. And then he then went. And let me tell you about God. You can never catch God on our so It's not possible. You, you think when was, God was creating man, he wasn't banking on somebody called Lucifer, son of the morning, an angel that will fall and come. God who is omniscient, who see at the end from the beginning. And when God was making man, God didn't make man a robot who doesn't have the ability to make decisions, to sin and leave God. Because that's not what God wants. What God wants is to create an entity who will fall in love with him willfully and decide to yield his heart to him. Come and live here forever. Let this be your home, like Revelation 21 said. The tabernacle of God is with men. 
That's the end of the story. And it will happen by force. Men will get to a point where they, they, are, they will expire. They will get tired of everything. And say, God, we only want you. And we want nothing else. When that happens, God's agenda for creating man has, has arrived. Praise Jesus. Am I saying something to you today? So Satan saw that thing. That this man is expandable. He can, it's the soul can, there's no limit to what the soul can know. There's actually no limit to what your soul can know. If your soul finishes learning everything in the natural, your soul can switch and start learning spiritual things. In fact, spiritual things are what the soul are meant to know. Things that are invisible. So when Satan, when, sorry, when God was creating the soul, God knew that the devil would come. So he made the soul in such a way that after you've killed the spirit, you now jam something called soul. It was that, that soul problem. That, that's the devil's problem till today. Devil's problem till today is soul. There's just something about the soul. Soul is just somehow, somehow. Number one, soul is for men. Is number one, is not trustworthy. That's one thing that you have to know. Someone can say, devil, I'm for you. Everything I'm going to do, I'm a bad boy. I'm the baddest boy every day. Satan, give me. In fact, I hate God. Me and you, we are going to finish God together. <laughs> Tomorrow, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> How many times has that happened? How many times? How many times? Because... You can kill the spirit, but that thing called soul doesn't die like that. When Adam disobeyed, his spirit died. You still saw Adam still had life in him. Through the life in him, he could raise someone called Abel. He could raise Seth. He could raise in. It was Adam. Those were generations of Adam. He got to a point where he raised one of his grand-grandchildren called Enoch, who walked with God and was not. Because God took him. Do you understand? It was the, the life that God breathed into Adam. When Satan came, Satan could make kill the spirit. But to kill that life, hey, he has been trying to kill the life. It's death by a million cuts. From generation to generation to generation to generation. He's still trying to today. He's still killing man. See, that's, that's so. And you know how life, I was t- we were teaching in the morning just to touch around it a little bit because of those of us who are not here. How life transfers from the soul of man to the other. How does life transfer transgenerationally? You know life transfers transgenerationally. The life in you now, or let's go before you got born again, each and every one of us. Before you got, sure you know that before you got born again, your spirit was the devil's property. You were completely dead. But your soul wasn't fully devil's property. If, how does the devil know you are not his, fully his property? While you were still an unbeliever, there will be things Satan will tell you to do. You will say, man, this one is bad. <laughs> <laughs> but you do bad things, but there's a level. You know what I mean? I remember when I was in high school. Praise God. When I was, before I got into high school, 
very young, around seven years, somehow I just fell in love with the Lord. I believe I got born again at a very young age at that time. Uh-huh. But something happened after when I got to high school, you know. You know, high school happens, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when you meet all kinds of friends and all kinds of people from different kinds of homes and all kinds of things, and then praise God. Hallelujah. But that time, at that point, I had lost every sense of God. God was just that thing, we, that church thing we used to do. But at this point, I now had friends. Say friends. Friends. Friends, friends. You know, they are friends and they are friends. They are friends that you know that this one came to my life by spirit. It wasn't just ordinary coincidence. <laughs> so, and the thing, when I was in high school, I, I, I was a little bit smaller in stature. I don't know if it was because whether it was my age, I was smaller for my age, or because I schooled in Abia State. <laughs> and that school, it wasn't in the city, it was like in the village, a boarding school. So a lot of the guys from that village used to attend this school, and those guys, I don't know whether it's, they don't start school early or something, but <laughs> somehow, and all the, they had these bears and everything. <laughs> these were men, you know what I mean? In secondary school. So, this, by all accounts, these were men. These were men. Who were, you know? <laughs> Praise God. So, and some, I was little, but all they, li- they liked me. I don't know why they liked me. Maybe it had to do with maybe some time. But I used to help them in, you know, in the exam and all those kind of things. <laughs> Praise God. But, but when you see us, you see all these men, then you now see me walking with them somewhere. <laughs> In their midst. So, and, and these guys used to do bad things. Bad things. Is it smoking? Is it drinking? Is it womanizing? Is it. Sometimes they would just. You know, the school was friends, but that friends meant nothing to them. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a. You know what I mean? It's like an invisible boundary. They can just cross the fence and go for like one week and come back. <laughs> cross back into school. <laughs> one of them had an Indian hen family. His backyard. <laughs> it was just. <laughs> he wasn't just a drug user. <laughs> he was a distributor. <laughs> he, was a drug, he was a drug trafficker. <laughs> he was a drug dealer, pretty much. Praise God saved me. I don't know how I... Praise God. So, so but there was something about that time is that I knew that uh, I have I, you know, bad guys and my friends and everything. But there was a limit inside my heart. It's like it's called the conscience. And it, that thing didn't come from being a Christian. That thing is something that every human being has. That thing that tells even an unbeliever that, no, 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 this one is bad. Don't do this one. It's a property of the soul. That thing we call our humanity or, you know, does that conscience, no, just general knowledge of good and evil. That thing is, those are residues of the life that was that God breathed into Adam. That after Adam died, his spirit died. Satan now jammed that one. That this one, you know, and when he saw it, he must have formulated a means. Now let me just tell you something about Eden. You see those trees in Eden, tree of life is God's tree. Tree of knowledge of good and evil is not actually God's tree. God did not, that seed, seed that can kill and devastate humanity can never come from God. 
That was the seed of Satan. If it's according to how the Bible said that when men slept, that what the enemy came to sow. And when the enemy came to sow, the Bible didn't say that God planted the seed, but he said the Lord God caused to grow. But he didn't say that the seed came from God. And you know that God can never stop Satan from planting a seed that would tempt man. Because that's the reason why he created man in the first place. God actually created a man that will overcome all temptation and deny all lovers and come to him and say, we are, we are, we are tired of all those things. All we need is you. So God will never stop Satan from planting his seed there. He just gave instruction to the man, don't eat of that thing. Praise God. Are you seeing that? So that thing that man took into his system is a kind of life, is a kind of seed. The word seed actually means it has genetic information that can, you know, that when you ingest, it can germinate. But one thing, when a seed germinates, it will bring forth more fruit. So that seed of the knowledge of good and evil was in Adam. Inside, he entered into his heart. But Adam was not, he did his best not to live out of it. But rather to live out of the life that God put inside his soul. But what happened is that that sin has entered into the earth. It prospered more inside Cain. If you check the language of Cain, when sin was knocking at his door, he couldn't resist sin. He opened the door wide. Okay, now let's do this thing you are tempting me to do which is to move outside the presence of God and begin to go after civilization. It was building cities, building up, marrying wives anyhow, going outside of God. That was the seed that was informing him. Does that make any sense to you? So how does that thing, how did that death pass from generation to generation? It's just simple. When you give birth to a child in a home, Everything the child learns or has in them, beyond just the physical learning, talking about what is the life in their soul, the child will come into the life in their environment. Does that make sense? The child will do what? Come into a life. So if you ask me what was, talk, what was speaking to me, even though it wasn't from understanding of righteousness, what was defining the boundary? Don't go this far. This one is too bad. It is the amount of life that was in my upbringing at home. And it's very difficult for somebody to have more life in them than their home environment. But, but you know that it's not only parents that culture souls. You see neighbors too, what they are seeing their neighbors do, the environment, even other children in school, in the playground. So, all of, so overall, the life that the person has in their soul is a product of where, what environment and what spiritual influences. Are you seeing that? But the problem with that is that there's something called the corruption that is in the world, true loss. It's like inheritance. Every generation would take that life and has, do hazard to it. You know how you do hazard to it? When that thing will tell you, this thing is bad, or you come back and check again. Can I just take one more step further? 
You see, every moment that you defy your conscience, every defilement of the of your, defying of your conscience results in spiritual death. You realize that? You damage that life. The life that was in Adam kept being damaged from generation to generation. In fact, after a while, men became completely bad in Genesis chapter 6 because, because men were living for too long. Imagine a man lived for 1,000 years. And in that 1,000 years, he's in this world. His conscience is there. How much occasion does he have to do damage to his conscience? Men were living for too long. When you go to Genesis chapter 6, the Bible, God said that my heart will no longer strive with man. For all the imaginations of his heart are evil continually. God made decision to wipe out the earth and to kill everybody. It wasn't out of anger and hatred. It's so that all of humanity would not be gone. Because that scene that came has traveled generations. And because men were living for too long, they had too much time to do damage. Imagine damaging your conscience for a thousand years. Then you now raise a child and commit that to them. They will continue for another thousand years, damaging their... Before you know it, in a very short time, men got to a point where they were almost monsters on the earth. And God, God was... God, this, is, this, is, this is bad. God decided to kill everybody. But then after a while, God then now said, okay, let's shorten his years. Let's not give man too much time anymore. Because there is no remedy. At that time on the earth, every time your life is lost and the soul goes farther from God, which is death, right? I, I define death. The amount of death, don't say, ah, there's no death, I'm a child of God. Hey. Oh. I know, I know. You are holy. You are a holy child of God. You've been sanctified, redeemed by the Lamb, everything. Okay? Don't mention me and death in the same sentence, please. <laughs> okay, I should use separation, so I won't offend people. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Hmm, thank you. Why would Paul be warning Ephesian church, who are Christians? Ephesians chapter 4. Say, I tell you to walk not as all that Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, and all of that. He said, because of the what? The, let's read it quickly. Oh, thank you, Father. I'm so sorry. I'm saying so many things about different scriptures that we're not opening all of them because if we open all of them, there will be no time to, you know, go into the actual message. But this Ephesians 4, verse, verse 17, Ephesians 4, 17, it says, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the word, understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. It means that everything they mention here, those Christians in Ephesus, can be in this state. A Christian can be born again, and in their, their soul, in their heart, and in their mind, be in a state of some kind of alienation, or some level of separation from the world, from the life of God. 
And this is what God wants to heal. Praise Jesus. One of the, the great clarion call in our own time, our generation, is God has met us in a point and God has said, you have to now be serious about what is happening to your soul. Why? Because the world now is not the same the way the world was, maybe decades ago or something. The world now is more anointed to kill than ever before. The world, this, are, this, is, this is what you call end times. When the Bible says end times, it's not calendar date. End time means it's, it's a time on the earth that there is so much ability, spiritual investment to bring souls to an end. So it means that this is a time when souls begin to quickly race to end. And that the, the end can be destruction or the end can be God. But one thing in this season is that if you live your soul the way it is, spirits, the world is too powerful. Before you know it, you will just be getting bad and bad and bad and bad and bad. Worse than you planned. You know, we plan righteousness. Ah, you know, God, I'm not... I'm not here to be a church boy, you know me. You know me now. I can't be. A, see that church boy thing. That is, you know, we don't gel that way. That's not our own way. But you know me, I will just be simple. I won't be an arm robber. I won't be a 419. I won't be a very, very bad person. I will just, I will just be okay. I will be doing good. I will be giving arms. I will be doing that. But I will just be doing my life simple. You see that kind of thought? When you see guys who are always in church, every time Bible, but hey! Why? Why? Okay. Someone will now say, okay, no problem. You guys can be doing it for the rest of us. <laughs> Why will we go and do some other things? These are all, the, all kinds of thoughts that mean foolish, foolish, foolish thoughts. As if the devil you are talking about is a small boy. <laughs> devil, you know who the Satan is? The, he said he was, he was a murderer from the beginning. And he's not a murderer that shoot people. He was a murderer of souls. He's, a, he's an assassin in the spirit. He's skilled to take life from souls. He did that in If Satan can make uh, angels that God created, angels. He was with the presence of God, right? Imagine a being that can talk to seraphims and say, you see this Elohim, there's something about him that's a bit, you know. And he spoke to all of them and they, they began to leave God. Almost like he thought of them began to, to fall and leave God. So you think that your little logic of being a nice guy means anything to him? You think he hasn't thought about you being a nice guy? In fact, that thing called nice guy, where do you learn it from? The image of a nice guy, did you, did you invent it? The image of, of a simple person, did you invent it? There are some spirit angels who fell, they call them they call them spiritual wickedness in high places. They are a specific kind of angels. Those angels, they are not ordinary. They don't possess people. They don't, you won't find them in your village shrine. They don't do fetish things. In fact, are, their main power is being invisible. Their main power is to control your life and you don't even know they are there. You feel like you are the one thinking and it's all your idea. They are called spiritual. The word wicked comes from the word weak, like weak of a lantern. Weak means twisted. They are, they, are, they are spiritually wicked and elusive spirits. Spiritual wickedness and they are where? In high places. 
Those ones, the Lord told me that those beings, he said that they are spiritual architects of lives. What does that mean? That they are the ones who design life for men. Systems. How to live. They'll give you an image of this kind of guy I want to build. A touched, clean kind of fellow. Not all those things that people, you know, I would, when, when they see me, they know I'm different. I have my own vibe, my own swag. Swagger. But you don't know that that your swag you are trying to attain, is spirit designed it. When you go to their office of spiritual wickedness, it's the spirit. They have a, a department of swagger there. Then <laughs> 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 when you go to the department of you are in the office of different kind. There, there's a call, it's what you call West African swag. It's an office. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's your swag has different. There's the swag where you just you just become an imbo. No, that one is not too sweet. You, know, you, you need some flavor. You know, what I mean, you have to add some things, some southern stuff. <laughs> Praise Jesus. You don't think that spirits are involved in all these things? Spirits are involved. Come on, spirits are the ones. See all this pop culture, people that we want to emulate. You know, you just see someone will just start one trend. In the, out of all the young people in the whole world, they will all be doing the same thing. You think the spirit is not involved? It's a life. They are projectors of life. Those are the real kings of the earth. The Justin Trudeau and this one who have to almost, you have to vote and all of that. Who, those ones are kings by the power of gun. First. It's very clear none of you will pay, pay tax if gun was not involved. How many of you have after... After your salary, you will divide it into three by, volition, by your own volition and go and submit it to the government. How many of you here? Those of you. <laughs> I want to be your friend. You want to go and say pay 10% because God is not involved. No, we, we, we struggle to pay. So it means that is that just the truth doesn't really have power. All the power is the gun that is a threat of, of imprisonment. That they can carry you and lock you up in a prison because you refuse to give them their 30%. You know what I mean? So that's not power. And if you have to use brute force, you are not powerful. You're not, you don't really hold power over souls. They're just respecting you because you have guns. You have the, the military and the police behind you. You understand what I mean? The real kings of the earth, they are not in palaces. They are not in government houses. They are, not, they are not politicians. They are the people who men want to be like. They are, the, they are the ones who rule the earth. In fact, those kings, when politicians want to run to office, they go and lie down before those kings. And say, hey, we hear that you guys have the, you have the black vote. What does that mean? Because people who, follow, people who submit to their dominion, I'm sure you know some of these people I was speaking about. You see a young person, just pick one celebrity. You will be talking like him. He will be dressing like him. Everything about him. He will copy it. So you see that idea of being a nice guy, don't do God too much. Don't be completely bad, but be a nice guy that goes to church. It's an image you have. Someone crafted that image. It's a spirit that designed that image. And it must make you feel it's your own thought and your own idea about yourself. 
We're dealing with spirits here. If you don't take your Christianity and your God seriously, just check it. Go and mark what I said today. Write it down in a diary. Check yourself five, ten years from today. And compare the, compare the, the quality of your heart, the quality of your soul, and see whether you got better or worse. See whether you stay, you stay stagnant. Nobody can stay stagnant. The spiritual forces in this world are too much for that kind of thing. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Glory to, to God. Hallelujah. Amen. So I just made, went to make that point. Let's quickly go back to Romans. Romans chapter 8. And then let's just quickly speak about what the Lord wants to say <clears throat> tonight. So we have a sense of the soul now. How the soul um, lives and how the soul dies. Amen. Amen. So that... Romans chapter 8 says, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but what? After the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life, you see that, in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So you, you see that word, law, the law of the spirit of life. So that means life actually in the soul sits and resides as a law. I use it in the morning, I use the analogy of a computer program, right, a software. It sits as a law. But one thing about law is that every law has a spirit. Even law in the natural has its... When you go into a court of law, hmm, the law is written. It's written down plainly. If the law is so plain that it's written on the paper, why do you need lawyers? It's not a matter of... You've, they just show you... The, maybe you don't even need a judge. The guy who arrested you will just send you to prison. Hey, that's the law. Read it. You read it. Read it. Don't do this, 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 this. If you do that, you go to prison. You read it. Ah, okay, I surrender. I'm going to prison. Why is it not that easy? Why? Because when it comes to the law, law that is written has a spirit involved. And if somebody reads it, there's no guarantee that he who is applying the law has the, right, the spirit of the law. If he who is trying to apply the law doesn't have the spirit of the law, he will read it and interpret it wrongly. And after a while, you see that one police officer has sent like 200 innocent people to jail. Why? Because of how he interpreted some words. <laughs> Amen. For example, there's something in the, in the law called motive. When they write it easily, quickly, they will write it that if this person had a motive in his heart to do this thing and went ahead to do it, then he will be guilty. Then you now have the question, okay, is, motive is written there. What qualifies as motive? How do you define motive? 
if they ask you, have you ever thought about anybody dying before? Or have you ever thought about this guy dying? You say, yes, I will. Just playfully, you know the way you can think of other people that <laughs> Don't you think that way? You say, ah, you did? Prison. Is that really motive? Do you understand what I mean? You now, when you now try to interpret, in interpretation, the attempt to interpret is what calls for the spirit. So in other words, when you read a law, the, the, the purpose of, you see, the, the legal system that has attorneys, lawyers, um, advocates, and all of those people, is, and the judge, is so that for all the law that is written, for each case to be able to find the spirit of the writers. That if that the writer of the law was here, what would they judge in this matter? It's not as easy to infer that just from what is reading. People must gather and sit. Different legal minds must talk about it. Talk from their angle. No, I believe that you have to look at precedents, look at different things. It's to, to get, make sure that when that judgment is done, it is done according to the spirit of the law. So whenever you see a court of law, what they are striving at is not to read the English of the law. It's not that, ah, the laws, the handwriting of those guys in those days were too weird, so we can't interpret it. That's not the, the, the problem of a court of law. It's the, the text is plain. But how can we know the spirit that was in the mind of the writers so we don't appropriate justice wrongly? That's what the legal profession is for. Bring that into the realm of the spiritual things. Wow. It's the same thing. Wow. The letter kill it. Wow. You can't just take Bible and thank God they wrote the Bible in that way. If you try to start applying Bible word for word, you will run into a problem very quickly. Yes. It won't take too long. Let's <laughs> wow, this is not really compatible with uh, our our current life. Oh. <laughs> You can't just take it and read it and apply it in that way. So, the, because so the letter kills. That word le kill means the letter will, resolve in, will result in separation. But it is the spirit, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But it is the spirit that does what? Give it life. For we know that the reason for what is written is to actually give life. But without the spirit, we saw it in the morning, that that spirit is the breath. It's called the inspiration, the breath. In the book of Job, he said, for there is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty giveth him understanding. And that translation called that breath, the inspiration of the Almighty, giveth him what? Understanding. So the purpose of the spirit, when you hear the spirit of God, his main job is not to cast out devils and heal the sick. He can do that. But the main work of the spirit is the bringing of understanding. It is for the interpretation of the law. Which law? The law that God has designed to be the life of men that should reside within the world, the heart of men. So in that Romans chapter 8 verse 2, he says, for the law of the spirit of life, the law of the spirit 
of life. I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. Think. Let's not just think about life. Let's think about the spirit of life. First, is a, a prerequisite. No one will come into life without first coming into contact with the spirit of life. That's where religions fail. That's where empty Christianity fails. That just do this PowerPoint, hey, be a good man. Being a good man, 101. Always do this, greet your neighbor, call your mother, do this, do that, do that. Don't steal, don't, are you getting me? What is the business of Christianity? The business of Christianity is to connect with the spirit of the life which Jesus came to bring to men. Because only through that life, the spirit of the life, will the life, or what he called the law of the life, the spirit of the life is the, is the true law of the life. It's called the law of the spirit of life in what? In Christ Jesus. So if you cram the Bible, you can cram the Bible and to God you are a sinner. With all the Bible that you know. Have you ever tried before? When, the, when temptation comes and you have you ever quoted Bible to temptation before? Has it ever worked for you? Does it usually work? <laughs> Have you ever asked your question, why doesn't Bible quoting work for temptation? Something is tempting you. Something has tampered with your lust. And your lust has started dancing. <laughs> it's time. It's time. It's time. You know what's lost? Start that dance. Hey, you are in, tr- you are in trouble. You are in trouble. Be you a prayer warrior, a, 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 a giant for God. Once that thing starts dancing, you are in trouble. Hey, how can I put this thing back to sleep? You don't know how. Quote all the scripture. It's too late. Most of the time, it's too late. The only thing I can say is something can, can maybe physically remove you by force from that kind of situation. A lot of times, that's why you have a lot of boundaries. You need, you need boundaries. Say boundaries. boundaries. Uh, do you guys still believe in boundaries? I don't yes, know. Maybe, maybe it passed away with the old generation. You know, these days, things are very different now. You see a brother and a sister, they are young, young brother, young sister, single people, you know. I, oh, I, just, I just want to see my friend. <laughs> but you left, uh, you left last night. Now, this is morning. <laughs> Praise God. No, yeah. I just want to see my friend. We just hung out and um, you know. huh? I just want to Netflix and you know, you now begin to wonder what is going on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, maybe the things have changed, but it's actually a lie. Many young people, because of because we feel that like, you feel like the world are things are modernized, so do that that love. Don't go to a sister's houses in night. Those are all the cake laws. So you don't know where this, how those laws came about. None of many of those things are boundary. That when men realize their weakness, hey man, we got to use wisdom. This Stephen, you know, praise God. Why would they build school, giant school, boys hostel, girls hostel? Have you ever thought about that before? <laughs> 
in my own school, the boys hostel was actually they made it so that for it's not possible that for you to get from the boys hostel to the girls hostel, the amount of steps required at some point if there was something faulty with your system. <laughs> what happened? So we along the way, something your system would have reset it. You just come back after some time. Or something. <laughs> you have you have to do that. And my school was a Christian school. They didn't say, "Oh, are you born again? Yeah, we are born again. Do you believe in holiness? Yeah, we believe in holiness. All right, boys and girls, you can." <laughs> oh, happened? This school will become a baby factory. You know that? <laughs> baby. <laughs> With all their holiness. <laughs> and even at that, with that separation, things were still happening. Bah, boys! <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? Yes, sir. So, you see, it's not a quoting of scripture. When you're at work and then... You know, there's some phone. Something just happened. Mistake happened. A phone just landed somewhere. And that phone, nobody even knows it's there. It's just by itself. And at that phone, if you just take that money, who, nobody on this universe will know. And you can see a holy man looking at it. Tongues will start. Scripture will start. Quoting scripture. If you are praying and quoting scripture is already too late. Because lost and yes. those things is a, you don't know the power behind the, those things. They are too power. They are more they are quicker than the physical mind wow. that reads Bible and before you remember the scripture to quote, most of the time you don't even think about it. you've already done it. Yes, are you seeing that? Yes, so that was the problem with the Israelites, as I was saying in the morning. That's why they, they, they couldn't do it. Moses reading law to them, whereas sin was in their members, instructing them and directing them. Sin, Moses is using, reading from stone and tablet. And before they wake up in the morning, wash their face, brush their teeth, everything, go there and hear, hear Moses. Imagine that slowness. Whereas sin is moving at the speed of thought. Firing. Is that not how temptation comes to you? Yes, sir. It's, it's quicker. So that's why God said we have to change the method. The world, we must make the world flesh. Let it dwell among them. And they will behold his glory. His glory as of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. Now, you see that word called grace. Full of grace and what? Truth. Grace means spiritual energy. Do you know that? Grace means what? Spiritual energy. Grace is spiritual energy. Grace is the antidote to sin. Sin doesn't fear anything. It doesn't fear you're going to church. It doesn't fear that your father is a pastor. It doesn't fear that all your lineage are Christians. 
It doesn't fear that your church, Holy Ghost, shows there every single meeting. Sin is not afraid. Sin can sit down in church and be comfortable. Sin can preach message on the altar. Nice, sweet message with nice Bible verses. Sin is sin preaching. Sin is not afraid of all those things. But when sin sees grace, hey, can't be high. Sin, 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 sin. Grace, grace spoils the show. Grace is the only thing that can make sin stop. Sin will just be riding and riding and riding until it jams grace. When sin jams, and grace is vicious against sin, grace swallows up sin. You won't smell that sin was there when grace is done. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Say much more. Grace and sin, they are not made so. When you see someone is struggling with sin, it means that grace is not involved. That's the problem with religion. You are the, the pastor has to use all manner of intelligence to stop people from sinning. You will warn them. You'll be crying. Pen the picture. But you see that that fear of hell is not able to stop, stop soul that wants to sin from sinning. With all the message and picture of hell, they know. When lost, start dancing. Lost must have what it wants. That fear of hell is not enough to stop men from sinning. But grace. Grace. When grace shows up, it will be as if sin never existed. Grace is too powerful. Do you know that the answer to the decadence of young people today? You see this thing as if fornication is like, hey, we are, oh, let's just forget it. There's no, nothing we can do anymore. Living righteously is just a myth. It's not, it's not even, you know, all kinds of things have been said. Yes, it's not possible for a young person, young lady, to be a virgin and all of that till she gets married. That that's holding this lifestyle. That men cannot hold them. Who told you that? Who told you that? Say grace. Grace. Grace abounds. Let's, let's read what uh, the book of Romans chapter 5 says about that. Thank you, Jesus. Do you believe anything I'm saying today? Yes, Verse 17 of Romans chapter 5, you see it there. It says that, Romans 5, 17, For if by one man's offense death reigned, are you seeing that word? means death is a king. Wow. Are you seeing that thing called separation? Is a king. Death is a king whose servant is seen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said that the sting of death, imagine death like a king cobra that stings. And he said that the sting of death is seen. But the strength of sin is the law. It means that what makes sin perpetuate is because it exists as a law. So what Christianity is trying to solve is not your conduct. Stop stealing. No, that's not Christianity. Am I saying you should steal? Understand my message. 
don't fornicate. Hey, don't fornicate. If you fornicate, you will go to hell. I'm sorry, that's not Christianity. If you tell someone, hey, don't fornicate, you go to hell. You have not preached anything. You've not given any solution. You've not solved the problem. Do you think that fellow didn't know that the Bible says that if they don't fornicate, that you go to hell? You've, just, you've not preached any message. It's not lack of information that is the problem. <laughs> The, the problem is the ability to do the information. Wow. That's the secret. Wow. Do you have more commandment than the Jews? All the things that God told Moses, books were written. The, the problem with the Jews, it wasn't for lack of information about what to do. Is that actually all the things that God had, had prescribed for them to do became a burden on them. Heavy. They just found that, like when you read that Romans chapter 7, like Paul was just lamenting that I all the good I desire to do, I found no. <laughs> I, 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 what, I, I'm not able to do them. He said, But I found another law in my members. Even though I desire God according to the, the my inward man, there's something else. Oh, this always saved me from this body of sin. That was a formal lamentation of Romans 7 that was answered in Romans chapter 8. Which we read. Romans chapter 8 is the answer to the lamentation of Romans chapter 7. Are you seeing that? The answer is that, you know, he said that when they brought the law, he said, read that Romans 7. He said, sin took occasion by the commandment and by it slew me. What verse is that? We'll come back to Romans 5. I'm so sorry we're going up and down, but the thoughts are just many in my head. And it's, um, he said, well, it's a sin took occasion by the commandment, and by it, it slew me. Verse 11, praise God. So you see verse 10, let's leave it. Let's see. Sorry, verse, okay, let's see from, yes, thank you so much. Praise God. Verse 8, but sin taking occasion. Okay, let's read from verse 7. It says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. But for I had not known lost, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. That's a very strange statement. Yeah. You know, Paul was speaking about his past before he became born again. Right? That he, I know he was a Jew, he was a, he was a, a Jew, right? He, he practiced Judaism, which were the people who, who knew the law. The law was committed to them. So he was recounting back to his struggles when he was with, with the law. So that means that, you see that Saul of Tarsus that was going about killing Christians, he has all these struggles, secretly. But nobody will know. Saul, the agent of heaven and of God to protect the one religion which God has given, which is Judaism, he went about in the name of God killing people and killing Christians as a righteous man. But it's later after he now wrote secretly that actually at that time there were struggle things were happening. Something called sin was <laughs> Amen. Amen. This, and this thing is the same thing with a lot of Christians today. You know this see this thing, say sin. Hey what sin has done. Some churches have given up entirely. They're just giving up. They just say, okay, let's leave this same thing. If you don't have an answer to it, why are you talking about it? 
Nobody can be holy. Let's just do not do not take grace message and change it. Just have done everything for you. Yes, sir. Uh, but you are, right now you're just in the flesh, so that's why you are sinning. <laughs> but by and by, when you get to heaven, sin will stop. That's that's the that's the message of a defeated fellow. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That, such a pastor, please. This chair I'm sitting on has more grace than such a man. <laughs> At least I can carry my weight. Church should be a solution center. Church should be a place where you deal with sin. Sin should not be boasting in the church. There are churches that sin is the one running it. The message flows with the sins of the people. If the people, all of them, lost to be CEOs, every day the message would be about how to grow in your career and how to be a CEO and how to be all of that. Most pulpit, a lot, not, let me not say most, God, it's not most, but a lot of pulpit today is just, you, you just have to, it's preaching the lost of the congregation because of a fear. If you don't talk about their lost, they will not come next Sunday. If you're like, ah, this message is not relevant to me or me. Let me go to a church where they speak about my own thing, my own case. You know, we are corporate people. Let's go to a corporate church where the pastor has a sense of the corporate world, you know, to teach us about how to apply the Bible to make, I get what I'm saying? They yes, say that corporate man pastor. Um, Abraham, our father, they always like Old Testament things. Because Paul's letter don't align with all those things. <laughs> What about John? <laughs> or Book of Revelation? <laughs> Paul has said, I have suffered the loss of all things. I counted all things to be done. Can you quote that kind of verse in your corporate church? You know, it's like you don't want any more tight, man. You want. <laughs> you know, you don't know, can suspend pastor. You will still be preaching, but you know you are in suspension. How do you know? Check the offering. I'm flock a weekend, Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. As I be the past, please, if God did not call you, please just calm down. Go on, go on, go on. This place. Amen. Amen. God, you are not the only one that wants to preach. There are evil spirits that want to preach too. And they'll be giving you a message fresh every morning. Maybe like 5 a.m. on Sunday morning. You'll just be seeing the PowerPoint. Yeah. Three steps to actualizing your dream. Hmm. Daniel. Wait, just see revelation will just come. <laughs> you know you can use this Bible to preach. There's nothing you can't preach with this Bible. Nothing. And there's nothing they haven't preached using the Bible. Yes. So someone is quoting Bible doesn't mean anything to me. Sorry, with all due respect. You can use the Bible to teach your lust. You can use the Bible to teach your covetousness. You can use the Bible to raise a caricature God who is not the God of heaven, who is the God of the lost of men. And you can sell that to a congregation and they will celebrate you. Thank you. 
These are the evils of our day. Paul spoke about it. A time will come when men will no longer endure sound doctrine. They will heap for themselves teachers. They will have itching ears. These things are being fulfilled in our time and in our day. And God will deliver us from them. So this Romans chapter 7, verse 7, it says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lost, except the lost had said, Thou shalt not covet. Are you seeing what I was telling you before? Giving the instruction without solution. That's what the law was doing. Hey, don't covet. The guy you were saying don't covet, he didn't even know the meaning of covetousness before. Now you've told him, now he has to go and Google the meaning. Now, oh, ah. So you mean someone can covet another man's wife? Hmm. What a thing. <laughs> He just gave instruction, <laughs> but no answer, no solution, no, no nothing. You just gave a, a problem to a corrupt man, a, a sinful man. No answer. That's what the law did. Verse 8, now see, when he gave the instruction, sin, which is a, 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 a wicked master. He said, but sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, Sin was dead. It means inside of him, sin was dead without the law. But when they began to, the law began to arise, it began to awaken. Because when, when, that is the reason why they will say the letter kill it. it. Means letter is not passive. See, if you are in a church where they don't like Holy Ghost, please go and think twice. So. Just, I'm not saying anything, no. okay? <laughs> I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm just saying think twice. Just, okay, let me just say think. Go and pray. <laughs> Go and pray about it. Some churches are dead centers. There are some churches, they will do everything to prepare you and mold you to fit into the corrupt world. And that's their testimony. Ah, oh, all our people. Ah, this one, no. this one is a, this one, no. that one is a, that, that's the boast. But those souls are all being ravaged by sin and death. Corruption. Nothing in their heart. Dead souls. No fire for God. No love for the things of God. But they are successful. Their career. That's not a church, sir. And man. I don't know why I'm preaching like this. Hey, God help me. God, is this holy anger or what is it? (laughs) (laughs) What is it? It's utterance. Right. <laughs> I praise utterance. But I know I'm speaking the heart of God. Yes, sir. Time has come. Let's stop playing. Yes, you know. This thing, someone died for yes, it. Sir. Someone shed his blood for yes, it. Sir. A price that you could not pay. Someone paid that price. For the, the souls of men have a price. God knows the price of the soul because he felt the price. When his son was crying, Eli, Eli, he turned away from his son because of the sins of the world. God knows the price. Say, he who, he was, became, was made sin for us, who knew no sin, that we should become the what? The righteousness of God in him. Heaven has an expectation. It says, but sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all what? manner of concupiscence for without the law sin was dead for I was alive without the law once 
But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. That word once is talking about, you know, nobody comes into the world dead. You know, that sin, killing of the spirit, that the sin of Adam wrought upon all men. You didn't come, no baby, that baby is not spiritually dead. The, the spirit of that baby is alive. God cannot send the dead spirit into the world. Yes. Paul was alive once. But the moment a letter came, laws came without answer. It began to walk in him. Sin began to use it to keep. There is the moment that the spirit of a person dies. The moment the soul, the person gets to an age of accountability and you can decide between right and wrong. When you choose wrong, the spirit can just, will just die. That's, when, that's the point where each person bites their own from the tree. That tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That original human spirit that you came with died at some point. That's what Paul is saying here. I was alive without the, without the law one, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Verse 10, and the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it, what? Slew me. Praise God. But thank God for Romans chapter 8. Amen. Now let's quickly just go back to Romans chapter 5 where we were reading to pick that thought um, which we will flow with and close with tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Um, is anyone glad to hear this tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so that Romans chapter 5 verse 17, it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and then what he calls the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one word, Jesus Christ. Hey, not only sin can reign, no. Yes. We, are, we are moving, I said we are moving to the glorious age of the church. Amen. One of the characteristics of that glorious age is that the Christians will begin to reign in life. You know what it means to reign in life? You're living in perpetual victory over sin. Sin becomes afraid of you. It can happen. Sometimes when you see preach this kind of message, you know, amen will just reduce. Amen. You know what? That is a sign of what sin has done. The reign of sin. Hey! It's like you are under one wicked king. And then somebody came and said, hey, hey, hey. And that king is coming. This one will soon go die. Say, hey, hey, okay. Ha. Careful, who has he been saying it? <laughs> Calm down, no. Like when Moses came to deliver the Israelites from Egypt. I'm not sure, I don't think they all were jumping. Moses is here! They were like, Calm, have you heard of who? Pharaoh. You know, Pharaoh is not a king. Pharaoh is a god. And there's nothing in their experience that can see a future where Pharaoh is defeated. God had to do all kinds of things for them to come out of the land. Even when they entered into the, the, the wilderness, Pharaoh has been conquered, but the memory of Pharaoh was still troubling them. <laughs> After I was, are there no graves in Egypt? Why do you bring us here to die? They were still longing for it. Said, Even if we died there, that's how, how bad such a dominion was. That's how the dominion of sin is. Yes, sir. You tell a, 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 a person, hey, you can be free from sin. 
Eh. Yeah, the Bible says that. No, I'm saying you can actually be free from. Eh, okay. Hmm. <laughs> Why they can't conceptualize it? Being free from sin. And this is the message of the Bible. Yes, sir. So if you don't believe that, what's the point of Christianity? Why do you become a Christian? If you, feel, if you don't believe that this king called sin can ever, his reign can ever cease, mm. why are you a Christian? Mm. Pastors have tried to stop preaching this message. Yes, because they preached it without the solution, mm. the answer. There's something that sin is afraid of. Mm. That thing must come back into the church. Amen. It's going to bring back what we call the reign of life. Reign of life. Life will reign so much in the church that when you bring people whose sin has ravaged to the church, the culture of the environment, you know how evil communication corrupts good manners? You begin to see good communication will be what? Transforming evil manners. That's how, have you ever, do you know how a rain operates? A rain, when you are in the domain of something that is raining, it's in the air. It's a culture. It's easily contagious. That's how righteousness is going to be in the last days. Am I I speaking to people who have a little bit of of strength to carry prophecy? I'm asking you, can you believe the word of God contrary to what the world and the environment is saying? More difficult. Can you believe the word of God more than what your system and your mind and your heart and your experience is saying? This is one of the difficult places. Some theologians have closed the book. It's not possible for you to be sinless and righteous in this world. But the Bible says, be holy even as your father in heaven. How would they write such things in the Bible if it's not possible? That he will sanctify you wholly, spirit, soul, and body. Was that sleep of tongue? Was not sleep of tongue. That it shall be brought to pass the same. Oh, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Have you read 1 Corinthians 15? He said in that place that mortality, when this corruption shall put up in corruption, he said mortality will be swallowed up of life. Sin is not going to reign forever. Sin can be destroyed. Sin can be overturned. Am I putting some strength into someone today? Someone, oh my God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And even in this land, it's going to occur. Thank you, Father. It says that if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of what? Righteousness shall do what? Reign in life by one who is that Jesus Christ. So you must receive the abundance of grace. And the second one is the gift of righteousness. Those two things work hand in hand. The reason for grace is to bring righteousness. Now, this is the message for tonight. The message for tonight is to tell you and describe to you what the righteousness of God is. Right? Because righteousness is the opposite of sin, am I correct? Yes, sir. So if sin is rain is going to stop, then there has to be a reign of righteousness. 
Right. So, the opposite of sin is righteousness. The opposite of death is life. Right? So, the sting of death is sin. That, is, that means the weapon of death is sin. Then it means the weapon of life is righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom and what? Is righteousness. So, yes, sir. So, so this, this is the problem. Christians think that they need to try to stop sinning. They don't know that that's not the issue. Yes, sir. It's not by trying to stop sinning. Man, do you have the weapon of life? So it's not about leave the sin. Don't, when I say leave it, I don't mean, I don't mean ignore it. I just mean this is the problem. Don't go to the problem and look for a solution. Let the problem be there. Go to look and look for the antidote to the problem. The antidote to sin is righteousness. So you must know how to get righteousness. Through righteousness, you will get life. Yes, sir. The way through sin, sin brings death. Righteousness brings what? Life. But this place is teaching you that righteousness actually comes by the abundance of grace. Right, so grace and righteousness, they actually are married together. Do you see that? Praise Jesus. Now, the righteousness of God is not, righteousness is not do the opposite of, of sin. So you say, ah, sin wants me to go and steal now. Not stealing, not stealing is righteousness, no. There are people who don't steal, they are not righteous. <laughs> Do you understand? Yes, there is what we call righteousness. Now, Paul was saying in Romans chapter 10, he said, my heart desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God. That's the problem with the Jews. But it's not according to knowledge. Let's read that. Romans chapter 10. As we just try to tie this together and close tonight. Praise God. Romans 10 verse 1. It says... Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. This is what religion will give you. Religious Christianity. You have zeal for God, but not according to what? Knowledge. So, knowledge is a vital ingredient in the approach to God. Three, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness and have not submitted themselves unto what? The righteousness of who? Of God. There's what we call the righteousness of God that will bring the life of God. It's the righteousness of God that will heal the separation in our soul between God and him. If you ask me, what is the meaning of righteousness? Simple. Righteousness just means what is right to God. Do you see that? Yes, what is what? Right, right to God. God. I have some basic questions for you. What is right to God? Can you assume it? No, Another question for you. How many pages are in this Bible? As big as it is. Just your, with your concept of, of who God is. Do you think all the, just the English in this Bible is enough to contain the righteousness of God? No, sir. It means the, the things that God thinks are right, that the Bible 
which, which is the letter, just the letter. Like if you read just the letter, will you know the mind of God? How many people have read Bible from cover to cover and then an atheist? When you, if you go to universities, religious studies department is full of monstrous atheists who hate God. They read Bible to the point where they, they, they conclude that God cannot exist. Why? Because the letter kill it. It kill it all. If you read this Bible too much without the spirit, the interpreter, you can lose your faith. After you can just hate God. You will just be like, what is all this? Why? Why? What is all this? What kind of thing? It's offensive. It, it offends culture. It offends our sense of morality. When you see all the sacrifices, everything inside the Bible, you know what I mean? Yes, but they feel like, after a while, they, they, they will classify it as hate speech. They are getting there very soon. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? Yes, the, the letter killed. Amen. Amen. So that thing about righteousness, they say they've been ignorant of God's righteousness. They are going about to establish what? The righteousness of their own. Amen. Now remember something that Romans chapter 8 we read. It said that for there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ is what has made us free from the law of sin and death. Is the law of the spirit of life. Life has a spirit. The law of that spirit is what makes you free. Go and look at the law by itself. You can never be free. But you need the law. The, the life of God is operated by a spirit. The law is the law of that spirit that makes you free from the law of sin and death. You know, say, for what the law of Moses could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law means the righteousness which the law was supposed to bring which he couldn't because of now the law of the spirit of life in Christ that the righteousness of the law of God might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit after the say after the spirit can you change your approach not religion or the say after the spirit. God is spirit. Let they that worship him. The time is coming and now is when they that worship God should worship God in spirit and in truth. Use the spiritual route. This is a time when men should be unapologetically spiritual, not cliche spiritual. I mean your the, the way after the spirit, how you walk after the spirit. Let the Holy Ghost be your friend. Let him come around your home. Let him pour his oil around you. Dance in him. Sing in him. Be vulnerable to him. Drink him. Drink the spirit. Keep drinking. Don't be afraid. Pray in tongues till you enter the spirit. And you will see, he will quicken you. When you see somebody, the best, let me tell you one of the best ways to connect the spirit. Look for somebody who has the spirit. Go near them. Be their friend. Be visiting them. Even if they say, oh, why are you here? Don't worry, I can stay in your couch. So there's no space. Please, please, can I just be sleeping in the couch or something? Can I, I get, stay out? These are the secrets. These are the secrets. I never met somebody who has the spirit so much who would never behave this way. 
I never met somebody who live all their life in isolation, who doesn't respect others, who doesn't see God in others, and, they, and have God. You can't have God if you don't see God in others. Wow. I've met men in my life who carry the impressions of God. Mm. Those things don't come like that. A lot of time, God made it such a way that you have to drink from others. Because the Spirit of God is too complex that you don't reinvent the wheel. The work that has been done, God has raised some people and poured Spirit into them. When you watch their way about the Spirit, how they move, walk after the Spirit. One thing about work is you can copy work. It's not faking. It's not faking. You can actually walk. Follow me as I follow Christ. Wasn't that Paul speaking? He was saying, remember my doctrine and my manner of life. He was talking to a young man, Timothy. Means when, as you are acting, be thinking of me. How was I behaving? Be behaving like that. Because I was cultured by the spirit. God wants to bring spirit culture back. God, God wants to bring people who don't read, read Bible as if it's a textbook of religious literature. He wants to bring, there's a way around the scripture. There's a dance with the Bible wants to dance with you. Don't just bring your stone face and, oh, my God, thank you, Jesus, our Father, who art in heaven. My daily reading is this, and then, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Are you ready to dance with the Bible? The way you play, play with the scripture. Play with the, there's a ghost. All scripture is given by the inspiration of, inspiration. Inspiration of God. It was by spirit it was given. Say no passage, no prophecy of scripture is capable of private interpretation. For holy men wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Say moved. That doesn't mean they were walking around by the Holy Ghost. It means that was they were writing. They say there's something called movement of heart. The heart can be moved by the spirit to write. That's where this thing came from. So don't read the letter. Look for the spirit of the law. Are you seeing it? Yes, that the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the word flesh, but what? After the righteousness of the law. So the way righteousness can be accessed is by the route of spiritual. We establish that God's righteousness will not occur to you. You can never think it. You can't assume it. So it must come from him. But how will it come from him? Is by something called spiritual word, revelation. Let's see Romans chapter 1. We are closing, we are, we are heading there, we are almost done. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Shemrailos Ephranamatigeos, Maiklon Ferno, Fanahansia. With someone who didn't know, well, where did this guy come from? Where is it? Why is he talking like this? I have a father. I mean, in the flesh, a man. <laughs> His name is Reverend Kayode Oyegoke. He's my spiritual father. So when you talk about learning the spirit, the culture of the spirit, how to read the Bible, how to commune with the Holy Ghost, how to get the thought of God by spiritual revelation. I learned all those things. I didn't invent anything. I wasn't praying like fasting for what? Two years. And then Holy Ghost say, let me show you the Bible. No. People who do such things end up talking to evil spirits. Who, are, who have revelation for them. You have to, there's something about the Bible. You go to men, when they say, go, when, when they tell the foolish virgins, go and buy oil. You have to buy to the sellers. There are people who God has put things in. 
what they went through to get it, the dealings, you can't go through those dealings. You have to go through them. God will lead you to people who have what? The impressions of God. And wow. praise God. So we thank God for such things. And I thank God for, in fact, he was the one who told me, Jeff, go to Winnipeg. Wow. Go to Winnipeg. We'll do a program for a few days. So I'm not here by myself, Sazam Mars, just to let you know that, that I am under authority, amen, of my spiritual father. And I thank God for him. Amen. amen. So Romans, Romans chapter 1, it's a verse, um, we just wrote around this thought up. Remember the last thought we, we, we established about the righteousness of God? Amen. Coming spiritually now. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. This is Paul speaking. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. That word live, the just shall have life. The just shall come into life by faith. So this verse is telling us that how does the righteousness of God come? It comes by revelation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation. To all them that believe, to everyone that believe, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. For what? Therein is the word righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Can everyone say revealed righteousness? Revealed righteousness. Say revealed righteousness. Revealed That's the only righteousness that counts to God. You say, ah, what you did is righteous. How do you know? I will ask you, was it revealed? Or was it something that they told you and you went to do? Or, or, or something you assume about pleasing God? Ah. How much of your Christianity was revealed? How much of it? Hey, how much? How much? How much? How much? How much was revealed? How much of the things you do as a Christian do you have a revelation about? How did, they, how did they come by? Some of them are, they taught? Traditions of men. All kinds of things that we do. But this is the standard though. Anything that didn't come to your heart by revelation is not acceptable to God. God's, God's righteousness comes. See, my desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I bear them record. They are zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. But they've been ignorant of God's righteousness, going about, seeking to what? establish a righteousness of what? Their own. See, revelation. revelation. If you are interested in the life of God, you must fall in love with revealed righteousness. And righteous, revealed righteousness doesn't speak the way our own righteousness talks. Hey, don't steal. It doesn't usually say that. That's why men don't really like it. Mm. You know, men like something that you can boast about with after. Anything that you can't really boast about later, men don't really, are not really interested in those kind of things. Oh, there was a day that the Holy Ghost spoke to me. Stealing is bad. 
Since that day, I just went through three days of prayer. I accepted the word. And from then to now, I have never stolen. Men like that kind of thing. But when he's saying that, he's not giving glory to God. Though. He wants you to see, ah, hey, hey, Kai. He heard God, oh, hey. He never even went to go and fast and pray. What a man. Hey. What a. That's we like that type. Those are, that's the Pharisee. Jesus hated it. He hated That was Jesus hated nothing more than that thing. Your righteousness. See, the righteousness of man is like a filthy rags before God. Don't bring those stinking things around him. Say, God, see what I have done. You are stinking, man. Shift backwards. The righteousness of a man. I mean, what a man thinks he wants to do to please God. He smells before God. There are stinking rags. That's why the Pharisees were stinking to Jesus. He avoided them like a plague. Rather, he was okay with sinners. Who agreed they were sinners? Wow. He would go to their house, he would sit with them, he would gist with them because they are broken. They are open to revelation. Mm. Wow. Pharisees are not open to revelation. They have their own idea. And they want Jesus to bend to their own idea. They will be bringing, Moses said, <laughs> <laughs> to, they want to prove to Jesus that we know the law. Yes. We have read it, we know everything there. And Jesus was like, hey. Are you understanding what I'm trying to yes, say? Sir. So that thing called revel- say revelation. revelation. This is the life of somebody who pleases God. And that revelation life, it doesn't look like how you think. So it's not something you can go and boast after. With after. A lot of times when God begins to reveal. Remember now, we're talking about God's righteousness, right? Yes, sir. God's righteousness are the thought of God. You have to first of all, this is the, if you want to break into revelation life. How to live by revelation. There are some things you must first accept. You must first accept that if it's God's righteousness they want to reveal to you, it's not about your things. It's about his things. Do you agree with me? Yes, sir. If you say you want to know what is right to me, will you add an expectation that what I say should be about you? No. No. But why do we get angry when a preacher preaches a message and he doesn't mention your car and your house and your job? And your next promotion, one, one thing. You're just talking some things, heavenly things, heaven this, heaven that, and you get angry. This is all made Christians angry. At the end, like what you were saying, wait till you go chop. <laughs> Imagine God is revealing his thought and you're asking, wait till we go chop. What are you expecting is what he's thinking about to be about your problems. Why must he have relevance in your world, your corrupt, falling, nasty, dirty world? Why, should, why, why, do you, why do you want to limit God to be talking about your falling world? Anything you can't put in your mouth or put in your bank account, then if there, there was no message today because they didn't talk, hey, you didn't touch the, no, 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 no. Make it practical, man. <laughs> and, and preachers are, are weak. <laughs> when you preach revelation to a point, you see the face of the flock, hey. You start thinking, when you, when you think of the mortgage and the bill, with this one, will they come tomorrow? <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. You, to, live, to live this life, you are painting. Shift your idea. Mm. 
Don't try to bring God into your corrupt life. Rather, be tired of your corruption and desire to ascend to where he is. Think of moving upwards. Allow your heart to settle. Let the Holy Ghost be able to talk to you for two days, three days, four days. He hasn't mentioned all your, your little problems. Can he talk to you about his life and his thought for some time without you getting bored of him? When you see a preacher who talks God's things, hey, you'll be waiting, where's the power now? When this God, you're talking in no language, 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 when we, we need to see evidence. You see someone will say, we need evidence. Yeah, there's a church called Evidence of the Gospel. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, why did I say that? <laughs> Amen. But when people say evidence of the Gospel, you know what they are talking about. Evidence. Miracles. Hey, when someone came with no leg and is living there, his leg, you know that hey, God is in this place. <laughs> but when the pastor begins to teach about the heavens, teach about the, 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 the heavenly things, teach about God's separations, teach about his, teach his holiness. You can teach the holinesses of God for years. You won't finish teaching about it. And they are all inside the Bible. But so get tired of such a message. So that's one thing. If you are ready for the life of God, you want to live by revelation, accept that thing. God, I'm okay. I will be fine for you, Holy Spirit, to be talking to me, not about my things. I know you will take care of my things, but it was a seek ye first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It actually says in that Roman, Matthew chapter 6, take no thought for your life. What you eat, what you drink. He said that after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Who are the Gentiles? Those Ephesians 4 people who have alienation from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them that we read. He said, wow, what is causing those things? They seek after all these things. All their life is what they will eat, what they will wear, all their problems, their certificate, their school, their promotion, their children, their this one, their that one, their bank account. After all these things do the Gentiles seek. The Bible says you will not be clothed. No. If he clothes the, the what? He feeds the birds of the air. All, Solomon in all his glory wasn't arrayed like any of the lilies. Will he know how much, will he know how much more will he clothe you? Oh ye, what? Of little faith. Don't think about what God should be thinking about. Don't hijack his job to him. From him, he's your father. He said all these things will be added. How does God, it doesn't mean that you will never think about work. When it's time to get something, it will still come by revelation. Wow. God will tell you, in your life now, it's time to move you to this next phase. Wow. And when God says it, the grace to do it will be there. You will see it. You won't be wow. killing yourself to go and get it. Wow. You won't be cutting corners and breaking everything. Don't you want to be something that's not even in their genetic makeup? Well, some people, mathematics is not in your genes. Your grandfather never knew math, your great-grandfather, nothing like that. But because your father's friend as an engineer as a child, if you've been programmed from a young person, you must be an engineer. But it's not in your genes. Are you, are you seeing all the problems? Yes, sir. It's a setup of evil spirit to move that soul into a perpetual pursuit of something they can't attain when they should be pursuing God. Everything about your natural life, that is God. Let him think about it for you. Yes, 
Don't seek after them. Rather, rather seek ye first the kingdom of God. Then go and seek other things after. No. And all other things will be added. You have to choose. You must choose. You must choose. Do you want to seek them or do you want them to be added? Choose one. If you are seeking them, they can never be added. Those, all those things are only added. I am a living testimony of that. All those things are only added to those who seek the kingdom and his righteousness. You get to a point where God takes care of your things before you even think of them. He thinks about your needs because you are occupied thinking about his righteousness. Your mind is full of his righteous thought. And whatever, if you are walking, what you need to do at your work, you will be by the Spirit. Under the government of the Spirit, you will be productive. Paul himself was a tent maker. He wasn't a useless fellow. He had the handwork he was doing, but that wasn't his life. When you read Romans, what kind of mind talks like this? How deep in the Spirit did he go to fetch out such doctrine? He means he has fellowship. Say, when he pleased the Father who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, I confessed not with flesh and blood, neither did I go to those who were before me. But I went into Arabia and all. It means he was secluded. He allowed Jesus Christ to begin the revelation of his son. Can you allow God to reveal his son and his righteousness in you? Say revelation. Revelation. Be open to revelation. Finally, Ephesians chapter 1. I don't want to read it. I want us to quote it. If you can open your own if you want. From that, was it verse 17 or so? Say, after I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love to all the saints, I never cease to what? For you. And to make mention it of you my prayer that who the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the word the Father will grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes your understanding being that what you may know uh-huh. the hope of his calling and what the riches the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Uh-huh. The exceeding greatness of his power to us, Lord, who, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand uh-huh. in the heavenly places. Amen. That's okay. Are you seeing that verse? That was the beginning of Ephesians, right? He was writing to an Ephesian church who have come out of babyhood because they had faith in the Lord Jesus. Remember that faith in the Lord Jesus that the disciples were using to raise the dead, beautiful gate, all of those things, and heal the sick. That church, they've enjoyed such things, miracles, and they have some level of love toward all the saints. Paul now said that it's now time for the business of Christianity. I now began to make mention of you because I've heard you have drank the milk of the world. You're, you've gone through babyhood phase. What babyhood phase? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me, give me, give me. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's what I want. Okay, take. I want, I want, take. I want, I want, take. That's where most Christians are. 
the Christians we call spiritual giants are those who have gained mastery in twisting the hand of God to get things. <laughs> you know, God's afraid of some, some men. God knows that if, you don't, if you don't give them this thing, they're going to come 100 days fast and be troubling heaven every day. <laughs> it's like when your, your child wants to play with something, sometimes you don't, hey, hey, take, oh yeah, take. Just for your peace of mind. The church is full of grown babies. Christians for decades, still a baby. They can never think of anything more than what they can eat and what God can give them. Imagine such a child. That's babyhood. But Paul is saying that you've enjoyed that season now. It's time for me to now begin to pray for you. And the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, will grant unto you the spirit, say spirit, spirit. Of, wisdom of wisdom and revelation, revelation. in the knowledge of your problem. In the knowledge of him. Say him. 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 In the knowledge of him. The knowledge of him. The knowledge of him. That how would they do it? That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. You now begin to know the hope of his calling. See that calling there is the new birth. The new birth is a calling. Everybody that's born again has been called to something. To a pursuit of something. But that's calling as a hope that you might know the hope of the call and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance, you know. Those things are not earthly things, please, I beg you. God has things to say to his people. He has his own, the way you have your things you think about, God has his own mind. And what God is thinking in his mind are what you call his righteousness. Any man who doesn't know the things in the mind of God is not righteous. This is the New Testament definition of righteousness. It is the things in the mind of God that sin is afraid of. Sin is not afraid of your millions. The more millions you have, (laughs) bring them, we can use them. The more sinful you become. There's nothing that God will bless you with on the earth that sin is afraid of. But what is in the mind of God? Because God's thought and move with something called is called gracious energy. That's why when they say the world was made flesh and dwelt among us, and then we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Later I said, and all of his fullness have we all received grace for grace. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Go and check all the epistles. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. That's how they began. All the greetings of the epistles are grace and peace. It means that revelation is grace. You cannot have spiritual revelation without grace dropping inside your soul. That's what sin is afraid of. How, how do you stop sinning? Hey, don't stop fighting sin. That's not the issue. So There's something that will move your consciousness away from the vicinity of sin. That after some days, you realize you've never thought about that sin. 
Because your mind is lost in the mind of God. That's the only solution to sin. Anything that cannot transport your consciousness from corruptible things to incorruptible things can never deal with sin. Do you want to stop sinning? Take a stroll into the mind of God. You will pick up graces along the way. You cannot land and walk in God's world without your, your soul being adorned with so much grace. And to be said of you that where grace, sin did abound, that grace did what? Much more. Just begin to bless God tonight. Just pray. Respond to this message any, any way you want to. Thank you. Mama Ho. I want us to just pray a bit tonight. Let's pray a bit. If anything has dropped into your heart that ministers to you, you don't need to know how it will happen. You don't need to have an action plan right now. You don't need to know what you are going to do next with it. You don't need to know your next decision. You don't even have to make a kind of decision about changing all your whole life in this moment. Just respond from your heart. Let heaven know that you value these words, that you value this thought. Just let heaven know that these things mean something to me. That what has just been described about coming into your righteousness, coming into revealed righteousness, coming into the revelation of righteousness. Lord, I want my soul to partake of this. Lord, help me. Whatever you need to do, that one day I will be a partaker of this thing. That one day at some point in the near future, by your mercy, by your grace, you will help chart the cause of my soul. You will help deliver me from all my bondages and deliver me from all my oppressors. You will help heal my heart of my blissful ignorance concerning you. You will help to shape my heart and help my, me over time to make decisions and cause my feet to be planted in this path. You will give me wisdom to accompany myself with them that have this as a goal, that have this as a pursuit. For them that seek after your righteousness, say, Blessed are they who do hunger and do thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Say, Lord, help my heart to hunger, help my soul to thirst, help me to desire, help me to long for it. I want to find within my heart an appetite for righteousness, a desire for righteousness, not a fake one, a real one that will be bettered by your spirit. Let there be a move of your spirit within my life. Let the wind of your spirit move into my heart, move into my conversation, move into my home, move into my affairs, not of my own ability, but as yours. As he says, not of he that will it, of he that run it, but it's of you that showeth mercy. Show mercy to me, O God. So it's not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. Make it by your spirit. Let it be by your spirit. Change my life. Transform my life. Encounter me deeper. Take me deeper. Open the doors. Open the portals. The portals of your thought. The portals of your revelation. Give me insight. Open the eyes of my understanding. Help me, oh God. Oh, the Lord, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Cause the eyes of my understanding to be enlightened that I will know what is the hope of your calling. What is the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the sand? Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Just keep praying. Keep praying. 
Lord, just a few seconds more. Just keep praying. Let your heart register. Let heaven know that you are interested. It's not for you to walk out. It's not for you to change your life. Just let heaven know I'm interested. I don't fight these thoughts. I don't fight this understanding. I desire it. Come and make it come to pass. Keep praying. Just keep praying. Keep praying. Thank you, Jesus. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Just believe now that the Lord can hear your heart. This is the time to ask and request of Him, ask of Him, ask of Him what you desire. Just ask of Him. Say, Lord, I speak to you, I ask you, Jesus. Give me access. Give me access. Oh, Jesus. Lord, I love your name. We love your name. We are to be identified with your name. Lord, we love your name. We love your name. We are ready to answer. Your name. Oh, we love you. 
thank you, Father, for where we are sitting now. Father, we give you thanks for what you've done. Thank you, Father, for every heart that is here tonight. Thank you, Father, for the supply of your grace tonight for every heart. Father, we pray for everyone longing and looking for your righteousness and for your life, longing for your life, Father. We pray that you will supply grace upon grace. In the name of Jesus. Father, that grace will be multiplied upon hearts in the name of Jesus. Father, that the supply of your grace will be made available continually to answer for this long in the name of Jesus. Say, blessed are those that hunger and test for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Father, we pray for everyone here tonight that you will supply the feeling of your righteousness upon every heart in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for grace, abundant grace, abundant grace. We bring salvation that there will be an appearance upon every heart in the name of Jesus. Every heart listening under the voice of your word tonight that there will be supply of grace grace to defeat sin to defeat the clutches of death grace to remove the hand of death upon heart grace to come under the baptism of your life honor the love of your name thank you father for answered prayers we thank you because you've answered us we thank you because of the work you've done in every heart tonight father we worship the praise for in Jesus mighty name we are between the cherubim you dwells between the cherubim shine forth you dwells between the cherubim shine forth